everyone. I'm Trish the Dish, and welcome back to the Gen X Voice Podcast. This is where I use my voice to help others share their voice from different backgrounds, experiences, and generations. Hopefully, together, we can build bridges among different generations to connect and build a better, more tolerant world. So, whew, how are y'all doing after last week's episode? Um, Thank you so much for letting me know how much you enjoyed hearing Jennifer's story of addiction and sobriety and how much you appreciated her and her story. I definitely let Jennifer know. um, And if you missed it, I will link her episode, Kicking Heroin, One Woman's Amazing Journey, in the show notes. This week, we tone it down a bit and hang out with Gen Xer Michael, who is like that great music friend you have where you can chat about music for hours. We talk about music in Austin before it was cool, his creation of the website X Generation Now, as well as fight for our right to own things we constantly hear millennials claim is theirs. Did you see what I did there? Hopefully by now, you all trust that my intentions for this podcast are good and for the greater good, but... Sometimes we Xers get a little feisty when we're together, so I apologize in advance if any of you wonderful millennial listeners, uh, you you know how many millennials I have on as guests. Um, If any of you feel slighted in this episode, I'm so sorry. We don't mean to offend. We just want to be heard, even if we've waited all these years to speak up. Or hell, is it really that the generations are really not so different? I don't know. So crack open a beer, or if you're doing dry January, mix a mocktail and sit back as we chat about Gen X through the last four decades, and you can send me an email about what you think. Enjoy the show. Hey, have you heard about the Meet Musings podcast? What is that? It's the show where everyone is talking about the difficult things that need to be addressed and stigmas are being cracked. As a listener, I can relate with the guests talking openly about infertility, disabilities, stroke, sickle cell disorder and mental health, nutrition, finances and much more. Did you know that sickle cell affects over 4.5 million people worldwide? That podcast is really informative and empowering. I feel so comfortable I want to be a guest on it. Where can I listen to it? Good question. It is available on Podbean, Google Podcast, Apple, iTunes and Alexa, Spotify, Amazon, Stitcher, Breaker, Tumblr, Radio Public, iHeartRadio, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Himalaya, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, other social media platforms and podcast apps. Fabulous. I'm on it already. Hi, Michael. Hi. How are you doing today? I'm awesome. How are you? I'm doing aw- totally awesome. Um, so you're in Austin? I am. So are you born and raised an Austonian or Austinite? How do you guys say it? Um, I guess Austonian. Austinite? I don't know. I've been here since 91. I wasn't born here. Um, I got here as fast as I could. <laughs> right. And the early 90s, Austin was still kind of a quiet gem um, it didn't really start blowing up until um, around the, the mid-90s, right? Um, I would say I would say probably a little bit later than that. 
I mean, things definitely started to happen. I moved here for the music scene, um, you know, mostly. And uh, it was a little sleepy, quiet college town with a lot of cool music. And as the music scene grew, I feel like probably the early 2000s, um, if you're looking at it from a music perspective, um, is when it became real interesting and a lot of really cool things started to happen. Um, Because of South by Southwest? Um, South by Southwest, there are a few clubs, um, that you could pinpoint that were kind Austin's of... Austin's V Limits? No. On PBS? No, no, no. no. You don't think um, that contributed? I mean, they had, they had, uh, Connor Oberst on there in, in, uh, in the early 2000s. They did, but the, it's not, it's not really a scene. It's, um, it's a show that you can go to. Um, originally it was held, um, on UT campus, um, it was free, open to the public. I think maybe you, you just had to know, you had to be on like an email list or you had to know when the tapings were and you had to show up, get in line. That wasn't, it was a little bit different than if you wanted to go see, you know, a, a, a band that was at a venue. Um, right. You know, and it's a TV taping too. So the, the vibe is a lot different, but yeah, I mean, it's definitely a, a core, um, player in uh, the Austin music scene and the growth of the Austin music scene. And, you know, you can go back to the old early ones, but, you know, it's more kind of like the outlaw country and the more Austin, you know, seventies armadillo scene as you may. And uh, they've, they've progressed over the years and adapted to the changing music in the, in the music scene, which is cool. But um yeah, my experience with Austin is um, I I had a friend that was from San Marcos that went to school with me in Flagstaff, Arizona, and um, I went down to visit him, and we hung out a little bit in Austin, did some record shopping, and then um, I went back another time and visited another friend of mine from Flagstaff that was actually originally from Connecticut that moved to Austin, and that was when... I made the joke that you could um, dive into one bar and tumble out another, and that's completely different music. And I don't know, was that 4th Street or 6th Street? 6th Street. 6th Street. Okay, yeah. Because there's a 4th Ave in Tucson, so I always get those confused if they're streets or, or avenues and if it's what number it is. But um, but is that is that still kind of, I mean, pre-COVID, is that still, that was probably gosh, 2003, is that still kind of how Austin is today with hip hop next to country, next to electronica, next to grunge, next to metal? It, um, yeah, um, it is. I mean, there's still, there's a very diverse scene. Um, it's moved away from Sixth Street. Sixth Street's become more of a, um, a party scene, um, than an actual music um, scene attraction. Um, everything kind of shifted. Most of the, the better venues moved to the Red River, uh, area, which is right off of sixth street. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's always some diverse music. The hip hop scene is just as the past few years is, is starting to establish itself in Austin, whereas it was pretty non-existent for a while. I mean, there was a little bit of a scene. It's just not very well supported, unfortunately, in this town. Well, Michael, let's let the listeners know what year you were born and what generation you most identify with. Uh, I was born in 1968. 
um, I, I identify with Generation X um, very much. So I do feel like that um, the young generation, Generation Z, that that's not the millennials, right? That's the after the millennials. That, right. And yeah. the, actually, there's a younger generation after them now that's called Generation Alpha. Oh, yeah. I don't know. They're babies, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, most of them are just about 12 and under. So oh, okay. pretty much babies. Yeah. <clears throat> but yeah, Gen I, Z is right after Millennial. Yeah. I, I find a lot of their characteristics and uh, pretty interesting. I think they're doing... I, I think that there are some similarities between Gen X and Gen Z, um, aside from the fact that they're alphabet numbers, letters. <laughs> do you do you think it's because a lot of them are raised by Gen X now? Um, I believe so. Yes, I believe starting they to have. see our kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They're carrying the the on the torch and the traditions or the ideals that we had as uh, Generation X in the '90s and 2000s, and hopefully we still have those same. Um, you know, ideas and philosophies on life and how to live life. Well, if you could maybe give an example of one of those similarities that you see between the two generations, um, philosophy, uh, or just you know, I'd love to hear that. I I feel like they <clears throat> they're prioritizing um, things much like we were as far as quality of life. Um, I feel like they might be paying a little bit more attention to say maybe um, environmental issues. The, they might be a little bit more willing to sacrifice their own personal uh, gains or goals in order to make the world a better place for themselves. Yeah. I've um, totally seen that too. Um, I feel like maybe they're a little bit more anti-establishment, um, less traditional, um, maybe not so wrapped up in the, I guess the glitz and glamour and the, I don't want to say, I guess, self-absorbed type of personality or lifestyle that maybe millennials and not to disregard millennials all the way, but I, you know, that's, that's just part of what they were handed when they were younger. You know, the technology just kind of pushed them in that direction. And I feel like maybe generation Z is, is past that. It's, you know, that technology is old hat to them. So it's becoming more, more realistically um, driven their goals and their pursuits. Maybe less about posting about their food and clothes and their faces and more about, Hey, this injustice is going on. Um, this is how we can save this person. Hey, have you heard about this new story? Because I haven't, but I heard it from this person. Would you say it's more like that? Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And do you have kids yourself? I do not. You don't? Oh my gosh, a Gen Xer without kids. We are like unicorns. <laughs> Isn't it fun to talk about the kids, Gen Z? Like we're, we like, we're projecting, you know, Gen X on them, but neither of us have kids. Are you married? <laughs> I'm not. And have you ever been married? I have not. Oh my gosh. This is great. <laughs> You're only the second Gen Xer that fits in these boxes um, or perhaps it doesn't fit in the boxes. Um, yeah. Wow. I would love to hear your um, sort of journey in life that led you down this different kind of life. Cause we're kind of the first generation to be like, mm, well, fuck traditional. I'm not going to go that route. 
Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. Um, I don't think it was anything intentional. I, I think because of maybe my youth and, and my parents that I, I understood, I had an awareness of at an early age of the reality of certain situations. And I didn't really accept what was presented to me as the norm or the way things should be in the structure. Um, whether or not I was completely aware of that at a younger age, but I think I was aware enough that I was cautious about making specific decisions um, without feeling good about them a hundred percent. And as I've, it's, it's difficult because there's a lot of pressure from, you know, just, you know, society, cultural um, parents, you know, friends, um, to, you know, live in a box, as you said, and it's, um, but I think it's, it is part of our generation to question a lot of those things and whether we act on them or not, and is, is kind of up to the person. Um, and I, it's not that I have anything against marriage or kids. Um, you know, most of my friends are in great relationships. They have wonderful kids. It just never really sat with me I, I it, the situation the situation was never correct you know it wasn't a hundred percent something that I felt you know and who's who knows maybe it'll change I still have time you know oh yeah as a man you definitely do I'm excited <laughs> because my days are numbered to um, reproduce and um, but I made a, a, a conscious decision I, I definitely didn't want to have kids um, for me it was like you know it just didn't, it didn't seem like a fit for me. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, my listeners know that I I had a pretty, uh, challenging childhood. Um, and I also just, just, just didn't want to, I don't want to have to raise kids because I, um, that's too much pressure to bring. I guess I was really aware at a young age, the impact that bringing another human into the world brings on the environment, on, you know, your own, um, your own mind, your own energy, um, just all of that. I was just like, I just don't want to do that. And then I was really having a blast just traveling and living in places like New York city, going to places like Austin, following, you know, like going to shows in Chicago and St. Louis and, um, being in a band and doing all that stuff. And then, you know, throwing myself into teaching and doing all kinds of stuff. I just, just like, it doesn't really, um, I didn't really understand how people had the energy <laughs> to be yeah. really honest. <laughs> yeah, like, no, it's tough. It's tough. I, I've seen, you know, what it's done to, to my friends and not that it's a bad thing. It's just, you know, I see how much time and energy it does take, um, and it's, you know, one of the reasons that I, I got into the music business and I started writing my blog was, you know, my music buddies that were around that I used to hang out with and go to shows and um, became occupied with, you know, raising kids and being husbands. And, um, you know, I found myself without an outlet, you know, an immediate outlet to discuss these things or enjoy these things. And so... I started writing and just 
hanging out in clubs a lot by myself and taking photos and meeting, you know, a whole bunch of people, like-minded people. So. Right. And, and, and you said that you started a blog how many years ago? It was, I, I want to say it was around 14 years ago. Um, maybe it was 2008, seven, eight, somewhere around there. Yeah. So right around when it first started, were you on Blogspot or? Uh, it was, it was, it was, it was, it was, it was on WordPress. WordPress. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. My, actually my brother-in-law recommended that I start doing it. He was like, you should, you should start a blog. I guess probably cause I talked about music way too much and, and blogs were in, in style at the time. And, he, and I said, what do I do? He's like, just write, write a lot, just content, content, content. So I just started banging away at the keyboard and going to shows and, you know, it, so what brought you to music? What, what, um, I mean, or, or can I ask what was the first moment that you felt music spoke to you in a way that you were like, this is kind of where I'm going to devote a lot of my energy in life. Um, I, I, it's been something that's always been a part of me ever since I was a small child that I can remember. Um, and I didn't really think of it in that way that it's something that I'm going to devote a lot of energy to because as a, as a child, probably I can remember being maybe four or five years old. And anytime I would ride anywhere in the car with my parents, I would sit in the back of the, we had a station wagon. So I would lay in the back of the station wagon and my dad would put the, the radio on for me and I would just lay in the back and listen to music. Um, oh my gosh, I can picture that moment 100%. All Gen Xers know that station wagon and they know that back seat and being able to stretch out and listen to music. So um, so the radio and, and when you were a kid, tell me if this isn't true, um, they would have Beatles weekends where they would just play the Beatles all weekend long on a station. No, not that I remember. Oh, okay. Well, that must have just been Maybe. in um, the northern part of Texas because I Maybe. lived in Texas for a minute. Um, oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah. The the suburbs of um, of Dallas, so like Garland, Richardson, Plano, before Plano became the heroin capital of <laughs> the United <laughs> States. This was all like um, uh, early to mid-80s. Um, okay. So, well, if it wasn't the Beatles, then what was coming in, um, in that, into that backseat? A lot of Casey Kasem, uh, top yes. 40, <laughs> you know, it was, you know, it was a mix, you know, there was, there were, I guess there were some of the disco hits, um, back then, you know, some of the seventies classics, mostly the lighter stuff. Um, and I had, I had cousins that had records, that um, I was very interested in. That's pretty much any time I was at their house. I spent time just going through their albums. My parents didn't really have much influence on me as far as music. They had a few things. It was mostly Barry Manilow or Chicago or... Oh, boy. Um, yeah, my mom was listening to Zeppelin and Pink Floyd because she was only about 16, 17 years older than me. Um, so there was no Barry Manilow in my home. <laughs> <laughs> I, I come from a very religious household. My dad was a minister, so. Ah, okay, okay. And and yeah. you said you didn't grow up in Austin. So where where did your um, the majority of your childhood um, where was that spent? 
Uh, it was in Temple, Texas, which is just 60 miles up the road. I know Temple, Texas. That's where my grandparents lived. Oh, I don't know. I may know them. Uh, <laughs> last name's Vogler. I don't know. My, my Vogler? Grandpa, yeah, my grandpa was the... Um, Gosh, he'd be just about the age that my uncle was, because um, he's just he's a, he's about your age, because he's about eight years older than me. Um, oh my God, how weird would that be if you knew my uncle? Um, he he was he was Freddie in the eighties. Now he's Vincent, um, but he played trombone and football. Um, and uh-huh. his dad, my grandpa, was not only the deacon of uh, the Catholic Church there. Um, but they, you know, did Knights of Columbus, but also, um, my grandpa was the administrator for the VA hospital that was there in Temple. Oh, interesting. Small world. Such a small world. Like people don't just drop out Temple, Texas. Like that's awesome. No, (laughs) no. And most people from there won't admit that they're from there. Oh, it's such a small town. I remember the first time I ever saw King of the Hill and they talked about Arlen, Texas. I was like, man, that's like. Temple, Texas. <laughs> like my grandpa would always sit um in the garage with the garage door open and he had a kegerator. And uh-huh. he and his and his guy friends would sit in, in in like folding chairs out there and smoke cigarettes and cigars and drink. <laughs> I don't know. I guess your family was not like that. My grandpa was Catholic, so a little, little A little bit little, different. A little different, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think uh I think as Gen X, we have like one claim to fame from Temple, and that's uh, Britt Daniel from Spoon. Um, yeah. Went to high, he went to the high school with me. Really? Uh-huh. I didn't realize he was from Temple. I don't think he talks about it much. <laughs> so, case in point, yeah. <clears throat> wow. Yeah, he was, my, he was my sister's age. Wow. And your t- sister is older or younger? She's younger. That's crazy. Yeah, I know recently I thought about Spoon being um, that it had been like 20 years since I had discovered them or or 15 or something like that. And I was just like, I don't know if this ever happens to you, but it's like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm middle aged now. So I'm not sure why time time and space just seems so different. Whereas when I was younger, time and space was very specific. And like I would be like, yeah, 1982, I was in first grade. This was happening. The little lot like. Just now it's more like, I don't know, the 2000s and the late 90s all kind of meshed together. And it yeah. does not feel like it was 20, 25 years ago. Is that the same with you? Yeah. Yeah, it's... it's Dementia. Um, no, I'm scared. Yeah, no, no, it's not. <laughs> Actually, it's funny. I think, uh, um, my memory is... Uh, I'm having a lot of uh, like good memories from from those from those days, and I think that kind of sparked. I don't know if it has something to do with being in my early fifties and kind of starting to look back and be like, "Oh, okay, what did I do? What it? What was going on in my you know twenties and thirties? And you know, at the time, it's just like go 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 go, and you know, party 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 party, music 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 music. And now I'm looking back on it, and of course, you know, COVID gave us a lot of downtime to think about a lot of stuff, so. Um, and, and reconnect with people, which I think kind of helps spark memories. Yeah. And and I know this is going to be a really weird thing to say out loud, but I'm gonna, and that is, um, what a time to have a pandemic occur. 
if you think about it, like when we were growing up, right? Like, um, can you imagine something like this happening in say 1988? Um, I mean, we were, we're so much more connected with social media, with zoom and any other kind of application that allows you to, you know, videos record people and see people, um, I remember in the eighties thinking how cool it would be if I could see people that I was talking to on the phone and, and <laughs> you know what I mean? And here we are, yeah. um, yeah. You know, 30 years later or 35 years later. And, um, and like, I just think like that is, it's amazing that we're going through it now, but, um, on your, on your, um, on your website, which we might as well plug, um, you have a pretty cool, um, website called um, X Gen X Now. Yes, X Generation Now. And on that, there's blogs, there's music, there's um, there's YouTube videos. Um, and one thing that was mentioned on that in particular was that um, the Latchkey Kids, which our generation is lovingly referred to as by ourselves, mm-hmm. no one else calls us that. We're the only ones that remember being latchkey kids. I think um, it's actually on the Wikipedia page for Generation X. If I'm not mistaken, I've read it quite a few times. You know what? I, I might be right because I feel like when I was doing some research um, early on in my, because um, I started this as a YouTube channel first, and then I was like, I don't really want to go into podcasting more. But um, yeah. but basically, that we have. We, we trained for this. We are the best, um, probably the, the, of all the generations, we're the best acclimated to go into the sort of lockdown mentality. Um, mm-hmm. what, what makes you think that's, that's true? That we're best prepared for this type of situation? Yes. Um, I, you know, you know, being latchkey kids, our parents, um, you know, I, I think we experienced probably more divorce, um, during our generation. So being raised by a single parent, um, that was having to work jobs. So you spend a lot of time on your own, um, with the neighborhood kids, you had to entertain yourself a lot. Um, you know, for me, it was, you know, running around in creeks and riding my bike. Um, yeah, a lot of riding I, I my bike too. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, that was, that was freedom back then, which is strange because kids don't really do. I mean, they, they do ride bikes, but not like they don't explore neighborhoods. Like, you know, that was, that was like getting on your bike and going to the edge of the world and seeing what was, what was out there was just, it was discovery because we didn't have the technology to know what was beyond what we could see. You know, we didn't have, we didn't have Google maps or, (laughs) or, you know, you know, street view. Or the internet. Anything that we wanted to um, to learn about, we either had to go to the library and look at an encyclopedia or basically go ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. For me, it's funny because I, I live alone, um, which it sounds like you might live alone as well, being no kids and, and not married. Um, I'm, I'm weirdly thriving in this. Um, and I never thought I would thrive in an environment where I'm just alone all the time, even though I'm an only child as well. Um, but, but it does harken back to my childhood. Um, you know, I, I watch a lot of old stuff, 
um, you know, silver spoons and like love boat and like all of these, there's these TV channels that play these old shows. And I find myself just nesting into my couch with a blanket and just being like super content. Like I was a kid again. That's awesome. Yeah. What, yeah. Is that kind of what you're doing as well? or, or... No, no, not at all. <laughs> no, no. I mean, nothing wrong with it. It's just... Um, I was I, a TV uh, junkie as a kid. That's true. <laughs> yeah. No, I... I, <laughs> I uh, I'm an extreme introvert. Um, so, you know, being forced... Which is... I mean, it, this is hard to explain. So I'm an extreme introvert, very shy as a child... But most of my career has been in the hospitality industry. I'm a professional bartender in, in high-end restaurants, and I have been for years. So that's, I think I forced myself into that position where I have to engage with people, so break out of my shell. But you know, according to you know my psychologist, I tested on the extreme end of the introvert spectrum. So, um, but no, I it when the lockdown happened. I was very excited about it. Not because I didn't have to go to work for a while because the restaurants got shut down, but I'm always, I, I like to do a variety of things. I like to explore everything that I'm interested in. Um, and it gave me time to do that. It gave me time to start X generation now with some of my best friends um, it gave me time to, you know, reconnect with them on a, on a level that I haven't been able to, you know, for the past 10, 15 years for whatever reason, you know, life gets busy. Everybody has jobs and kids. And so we had a lot more time to do that. Um, and I got to spend more time developing, you know, some of my other hobbies and interests and, you know, obviously listening to more music and discovering more music and, um, writing about music and, you know, I do photography and videography and, um, and I, and I fly fish a lot too. So I don't know. It was for me, I, 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 I felt like it was good for the world to kind of hit the brakes a little bit and hopefully everybody kind of like take a look and, and really understand what's important in life as opposed to the grind, 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 you know, got to make the money, got to pay the bills, working for the future, working for the future, working for the future, as opposed to just like, hey, let's kick back and relax for a little bit and enjoy what we have and, you know, understand what, what what's really valuable in life, hopefully. I don't know. I think some people got it and a lot of people didn't. I think a lot of people fought it tooth and nail, but... Right. I mean, they did say that depression really um, skyrocketed during this time, but... Um, all the things that you just described are so Gen X. I mean, I think our generation was also the first generation where a lot of us didn't really just sort of like run into a career. I mean, I was 28 before I started teaching and um, I just had other ideas that I wanted to do. Um, I wanted to travel. I wanted to live in Europe. I wanted to, um, you know, like I said, be in a band, you know, all these other things. I didn't, I didn't really feel like having, um, you know, a, a, a nine to five course teaching is far from that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I just, you know, just kind of, I kind of waited a while. Um, and it, you know, and, 
And it was because I wanted to, you know, uh, to quote one of the greatest Gen X movies of all time, you know, I wanted to suck the marrow out of life. As um, <laughs> Robert Williams' character says in um, Dead Poet Society. And, and that really triggered me because, um, or resonated with me, because I, I watched that movie like on a loop. Um, recorded it off the TV on a VHS cassette and just watched it all the time um, when I was in my teens and just really, really appreciated what the whole idea behind poetry and music and all of that was. And um, which is probably why for me, I just was so drawn into music and the music scene Um is because it was a way to really live in the moment. I mean, with raving and dead shows and punk shows, like the whole gamut, no matter what kind of music you're in, when you're at a show, you are completely in the present moment. You're not thinking about tomorrow. You're not thinking about yesterday. You are just completely in that moment. Would you agree? Is that the kind of experience you have too when you're at a show? Oh yeah, absolutely. It's, um, it's a perfect therapy, you know, it's, it's, a, it's hitting the reset button and you're also sharing an experience with hundreds and thousands of strangers, um, who are in the same moment with you. It's, you know, and that's when you mentioned if this would have happened when we were younger in the eighties or the nineties, it would have been absolutely tragic because I couldn't imagine being that age and not having access to live music, the shows, you know, especially all the shows that I went to, which, you know, are, they're, they're a crucial part of my experience with music. I mean, listening to music is one thing, but experiencing amazing shows um, is, you know, it's a whole nother thing. And, and it's, it's interesting because you never know when a show is going to, going to hit and take you on a journey or to a place that you weren't expecting when you walked into it. It's, it's a very interesting, um, very interesting uh, thing that happens sometimes at shows. Yeah. I I saw the flaming lips in St. Louis at the pageant in 2005 or six, maybe it was during the um, Yoshimi versus the robot album. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with that. I know, I know Flaming Lips made it on, on, on your blog for one of the albums that was listened to in 2020. Um, not sure if you wrote that. Like, again, there's, there's several of you that, that work on that website. Yeah. But um, it was talk about an experience. And I just, I love the Flaming Lips since 94 when they came out with that Vaseline song. Um, mm-hmm. It was my first year of college. And so um, so I get I get there and they have this enormous um, ball, this bouncy ball that's just oh, yeah. filled with glitter, and it's just being bounced all around um, the um, the audience. And on this stage, they have like a dancing Santa Claus, an alien, like I mean, just there's so much going on on the stage, you know. And um, also a Texan, right? Um, they're, they're from Texas. Um, but oh, that, yeah. that was one of the most mind blowing. And I was completely, well, maybe not completely sober. I think I had a couple beers, but I couldn't afford much <laughs> more than that at the pageant in those days. I was super poor back then. Um, 
but always had money to go to shows. <laughs> Somehow, oh, yeah. always had money to go to shows, buy a t-shirt and, um, you know, maybe some vinyl if, if they were selling vinyl there. Um, and, but just, it was one of the most amazing experiences I ever had in my life. Do you, do you have a, a, a show that, that did that to you? Or is it like all of them? <laughs> no, I mean, it's not all, all of them. Great. I mean, I've seen great. Yeah, I mean, I've seen a lot of bands on multiple occasions, and there have been some times where they're, you know, they do put on those performances, or the show just happens to be, it just happens to be that night. Um, I, I, yeah, I have a lot, um, you know, and some of them, some of my favorite experiences are with bands that I wasn't even familiar with. You know, it was just like I said, you don't. It, it's it's hard to to predict what's going to happen sometimes. You know, it's like, it's, it's, it's like, you know, winning the lottery, you know, you walk into something not knowing and you experience something that's absolutely amazing and you don't even know any of the songs, but it doesn't matter. That, that happened to, to me with Interpol. Um, I didn't even know they, this is way before they hit big. I was, I was driving an hour and a half to go see them in um, a cafeteria at the university of Champagne, had a cigarette with the lead singer, you know, and, um, afterward or in the middle or before I can't remember and then like a month later they're on the cover of spin magazine and I I was just listening to the music on the way to the show but then at the show I was like wow this band's really good and then boom they just blew up um it's so crazy well Michael what do you think the separates gen x middle age from previous middle-aged people do you think there's a difference or do you think that we that we are kind of similar um, to to what we saw middle age when we were growing up. Um, I'm sure we probably fall into the same similarities, just just based on the expectations. Um, being at a certain age, you know, I mean, we're getting to where we're thinking about retirement and what we're going to do when we retire. You know, so you just love those conversations kids. with your friends. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought I'd have those, but those yeah. are conversations we have. You know, hopefully the the plans are different than what most, like you know, the boomers have planned for their retirement. They want to, you know, live on a golf course and in a gated community. And I don't know. I, I I hate to make generalizations about people and generations, but you know, I think it's it's uh, it can be almost reckless at times. But there there are definitely some some characteristics and some values that, that vary between the generations. And I don't know that I paid that much attention to boomers when, you know, they were, I I guess I just looked at them as older people and I never ever feel like I'm that person or an older person that falls into what I see as older people doing, you know, I'm still doing everything that I like to do that makes me happy and I have fun doing, you know, I'm still pursuing interests, you know, it's for me, I, and I I feel like that at 50, you are equipped and educated enough that you should be able to do whatever you want in life and not be concerned about, you know, I should be living my life this way you know, or with the, in the, in the box, you know, it's like, you should be thinking about how you can make the world a better place, how you can educate the youth to, even though, you know, when we were young and older people were telling us what to do, we 
probably we didn't listen much, but you know, mm, it depends <clears throat> on what they look like. Like the the people that were the hippies that were still holding on to that hippie stuff, wearing their fringe leather vests and their jean jackets and their butt cut, you know, like um, the part in the middle of their head and the long straight hair. You know those. You you remember those folks? Oh yeah. I always oh, yeah. listen to them, and if they wore tie dye. Um, ma'am, I was all ears, <laughs> but yep. they were like a tool. <laughs> they were coming along with a sweater tied around their shoulders. Um, I wasn't going to have anything to listen. You know, I wasn't going <laughs> to listen to them at all. <laughs> yeah, no, I understand. I, it's, it's funny being in a bartender. I've kind of learned to not judge people. Um, Right away, you know, I, I give people every opportunity and I find that a lot of people that you wouldn't suspect have very interesting stories and might be doing some really cool things that that you're interested in or inter- interested in hearing about. Um, I've, I've met a lot of people in the music industry, um, in the restaurant. I mean, I work downtown Austin, so South by Southwest brought a ton of, you know, industry people in and I had the opportunity to meet a lot of people, but it's easy to to judge somebody quickly just on the way they look. And, you know, most of the time you're correct, but you never know. You there know? are some gems out there that you just go, oh, I see why you had to become a tool. It's because circumstance, because, you know, the same thing happens to me. You know, people see me at work wearing my makeup. And I mean, now I've let my grays come out. So I look a little bit more punk rock because I'm not just like coloring my hair and trying to fight the aging process. Um, I think, I think I've gotten a little bit more um, respect, but before I would tell people that I was in a, you know, punk band, because I don't always tell them indie post punk emotional pop, you know, like (laughs) the time always. Um, Yeah. Sometimes their jaws would drop and be like, what, you? And I'd be like, oh, why do I not look like I'm that person? Like, what happened <laughs> that I'm that <laughs> far away from who I used to be? And then I'd be like, oh, this is this is why what happens when you start having to make money to pay off your school loans or you just kind of follow your passion in, in a career or whatever. Um, yeah, yeah it, you're right. And so definitely loosely, but I know when I was younger, I just really was, was skeptical of people because the conversations that I were, I would have with certain people would, would definitely vary depending on what they look like coming from, oh, yeah. you know, the boomer generation, which, you know, what do you think about, um, boomers being sort of written off, um, and, 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 and just this whole okay boomer thing where um, millennials in particular, because they're the ones that kind of came up with it, are just kind of like, no, you don't really have anything to say. Um, what's your take on that? Um, I mean, like, like I said earlier, I, I think it's, it, it's dangerous to, to cast generalizations on generations um, you know, I, I look up people constantly that a lot of musicians, you know, that I, that I look up to and, and admire their work are boomers. So it's, you know, it's, 
but like like Depeche I, Mode, The Cure, and The Smiths, and Morrissey. I mean, like yeah, they're yeah, all yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So they're not all they're not all bad, but I think as a whole, yeah. I mean, I don't know where the OK Boomer thing came from. Um, it's I'm reading um, a book right now. Um, I think it's called uh, Gen X or X will save Gen X will save the world. I need to write that down. Oh my gosh. I need a book like that. Yeah. And it's a, it's, it's a newer book is and um, I'm, I'm only into it a couple of chapters, but it's he, the, the author discusses kind of like the same thing that you're talking about is like, you know, what, what have the boomers done and why do, why do they have this reputation? And, and why were were the Gen Xers written off as the you know the slacker generation, the apathetic, you know, do nothing, only know. to become back now as the Karens and the Chads that are racist and ignorant of um, the plight of 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 people of outside of their suburban homes, which is like. Are you saying Gen Xers? Yeah, that's one of the reasons I started the podcast was because. Um, someone had passed an article to me and was like, Hey, did you, did you know that, um, people are starting to call your generation Karens and, um, and, and that whole middle-aged, um, white woman calling the police, you know, on, um, on, uh, on, on people of color. I mean, that's, they're middle-aged man. They're, 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 yeah. That's true. I don't think about it. I just, I don't know. Right. Because you and I don't come from that, those worlds. So our generation is so much less that than Mm -hmm. it is all these other things. Like you said, I mean, yeah, we were written off as the slacker generation and apathetic, but we also were called that because we didn't have the same interests that boomers had when they were children. So we maybe were perceived as apathetic because we were I don't know about you but I was completely connected to MTV and the radio and and music was such a big part of me and and pop and pop culture just pop culture and magazines and um you know just really being into life like I said like the second marrow out of life like that that to me was what life was about. It wasn't about, I mean, yeah, I wanted to go to college and do all this other stuff, but it wasn't like, I'm going to get married. I'm going to have children. I'm going to, you know, get the 401k. I'm going to do like, we just weren't, we, we kind of were writing our own path. And most of my friends in our twenties did not either. They didn't go to college or they went to college and now they were bartending or waiting tables or um, working in hotels or coffee houses. Yeah. 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 Speaking of MTV, like, I mean, those, like the VJs were my heroes, like Tabitha Soren and Kurt Loder were like, they were, they were my, I chased Tabitha Soren down at his show one time just to introduce myself. And I've, I've seen a lot of musicians and I don't really introduce myself and be like, oh, I should meet them. But I saw her and I was like, I need to say hi to her. And I, it was, I think it was a Jayhawk show during South by and I chased her down and I'm like, what are you doing here? She's like, dating one of the guys in the band i'm like oh did but. you spoon over her and be like you are amazing I love you. <laughs> I love you being in- like 
I, I love downtown Julie Brown. She was wubble wubble. Oh, yeah. like, I loved her. Um, you know, and it, well, Kurt Lauder is the reason why we knew that Kurt Cobain died. Like it wasn't on the mm. regular news; it was on the MTV news. Yep, yep. That was a uh, that was a tragic day for me and my buddies for sure. Same, same. Yeah, I'm, I know exactly where I was. I know exactly what I was doing. And it was like the world stopped. I'm I'm sure that's how boomers felt when John Lennon was shot. Like, it, oh, yeah. like I will always remember that day in April. Like it will just always be a part of of who I am because I was so so into that band and I felt so um, like much like the Smiths and you know other bands. Like I just felt like it just they were speaking to me and, and writing songs about my life and how I felt. I don't know. It's so cheesy to say out loud. <laughs> no, no, they were, they were very relatable. Um, yeah, I, I was fortunate. I got to see Nirvana, um, in the early, the early years. Um, what? Where? Uh, in, was, in, in Austin? I, was, yeah. I saw him in Austin. Um, one, of one of my buddies, I mean, we kind of knew about the music. It was before Nevermind had completely like taken off and um, they were playing a small venue here in town called Liberty Lunch, which um, I miss dearly. Um, but uh, we went and saw him do a, an in-store at a record store that afternoon. Um, and then we went to the show that night and, you know, everybody's like, oh my God, you saw Nirvana. And I was like, yes, but it was probably one of the most frightening concert experiences that I've ever had. And, and, I didn't and why is that? I didn't, um, because they had gotten so big so quick that the venue wasn't um, suited for the crowd and they just packed it. They didn't sell tickets in advance much back then. They would just let people in the door until the, the room was full. And so it was, it was very tight. And uh, as soon as they hit the stage, the crowd surged forward <clears throat> I got knocked down to my knees. I was holding on to the leather jacket of the, whoever was in front of me and uh, people were stepping on the back of my legs. And uh, one of my Doc Martens actually got pulled off of my foot. Now, and were you wearing nine hole Doc Martens or like the, the shorter ones? Um, you know, they, I think they were like a kind of like a half maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those you know? are, those are show motion. Those aren't Martian quality. Those are those are like uh, chilling out at the coffee house quality. <laughs> but, we, but we weren't at the at the front. We were towards the back. Yeah, no, I know. I'm still still saying. Yeah, it got a little scary for a while. Um, I never retrieved my shoe. Um, yeah, I I stood on top of it a couple of times, but it was so tight that I I couldn't. I couldn't put it on my foot and afterwards we looked for it, but there was probably 30 or 40 shoes on the stage and on the floor. So I just grabbed one that was, that fit me and looked close enough and, <laughs> and, 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 and we hit the town. That's awesome. <laughs> yep. Oh my gosh. That's awesome. Wow, man. Yeah, so the reason I asked you about the, you know, middle age thing is because I feel like it might be just a little different because I know a lot of people um, my age that that were into the music scene. I mean, they're still going to all ages shows. Um, 
And, you know, it was, it was Gen X that created podcasting and, and blogging. And so I feel like we've kind of, we've, we've, we've morphed into like a different way of living that um, Mm -hmm. boomers didn't have when they were middle-aged, right? Like, so everything was still pretty analog when they were middle-aged. Whereas we are, we get to be the first generation to hit tech, the, the technology realm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, and that's one of the things that I, I find very interesting about our generation is we're the only generation that experienced life analog and digital and oh, you haven't talked to, to a lot of millennials then, because that's what they say. That, that's that's their favorite thing to say as well. I, we have one foot in analog and one foot in in um, digital. And I'm like, uh, no, that's that's Gen X though. Did they have the internet when they were born? I think so. Yeah, but the here here's what I what I've been hearing from the millennials I've had on the show is that their parents were still really into vinyl and they still rode their bikes and things like that. So yeah, Um, that doesn't count. Oh, thank you for saying that. (laughs) As the the kind host, I, I only battled them a little bit by saying, wait, 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 that's actually us, but you're right. It's, it's so much more us because we, we didn't, we, we didn't be born into the world with, um, with, the internet it didn't come out until way after we were alive and even our video games were like you know three different lines on the computer <laughs> you know? oh yeah yeah um, yeah yeah no um, no that, that you tell them they can call me and talk to me about this because we didn't have internet we didn't have cable tv we didn't have color tv for the most part some of us when we were young you know, yeah. I mean, they didn't have obviously the digital world that exists now, or even you know, five, ten years ago. But there was, they had access. Whether their parents gave it to them or not is that's not our problem. <laughs> another. That's a totally different way of of uh, of looking at a generation is whether or not your parents had the ability to provide that for you. So. I don't know. Yeah. It's just kind of funny. Um, but I do, I do think that, um, you know, there's, there's just certain things that I'm not, I'm not going to let other generations take from us. Um, you know, I, I think that we were the first generation to, you know, talk about the, the dangers of the planet, you know, as kids, like in, a, in, in a way that, you know, yeah, boomers had like Rachel Carson and Silent Spring and, you know, but their fear was more um, just so um, uh, dy- dystopian future, whereas ours was like, whoa, like there really is some bad shit that's happening to our, you know, our oceans and, you know, we probably want to take care of stuff. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I could go on and on about that kind of stuff, but. (laughs) Yeah. I think we were probably the first generation to recognize it. I don't feel like that we addressed the, the issue maybe as well as we could have. The millennials definitely have done a much better job of creating such better sustainable companies and products and things like that. I will, I will agree with that, but 
they're, they weren't the first ones to be vegan or vegetarian. I mean, we weren't either, you know, there, there were other, I don't know. It's just millennials are fun. Cause they like to be like, we are the first to do this and this and this. And I'm always like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> There's actually, uh, other generation. Whenever you tell someone, um, you know, about your, by the way, we need to, we need to plug your website. Why don't you tell the listeners, um, about your website, where they can find it, what they can find in the website. Okay. Well, well, the, the, the website's called X generation. Now, um, the original concept was to, for us to discuss our generation from, from various angles and, to kind of discuss what um, is unique about our generation and how we as a generation fit in today's world and how we view and also take a look back and examine whether or not those ideals and values that we kind of grew up with in our 20s and you know maybe late teens did we hold on to them and do we still, you know, um, do we still practice um, that way or have we changed um, as we, you know, see many generations do? Um, and as, as it goes, it's ended up being very music centric, which is just by default because that's what we know the most. And that's and what we enjoy. I think our generation is very music centric. So I think that's yeah. very oh, actually. Well, but my concept was to have more views, like more a, a wider range of representation um, from the generation, you know, um, speaking. Like, you know, I have a friend that lives in California who, and I, I've only become friends with him later in life, and his early life was completely different. Um, he went the route of, uh, you know, I'm going to be successful. You know, I want to retire by the time I'm 30. And he pursued that and he, he achieved it for the most part. He became very successful in, in a very um, competitive, like marketing, marketing, advertising world. And um, at one point in his life, he decided that he wasn't happy. Um, he, and he, he's actually written a book about it. Um, but um, he's, he's come to the realization that he was a douchebag. <laughs> and he is, and, and he's like, this is what I value in life. He's like, I value my kids. I value my wife. Uh, I value other things in life other than this person that I've become and, and all of these things that I've tried to achieve. So, um, you know, and he's, he, he told me, he's like, I, I kind of envy, you know, what you guys are doing when you were in your twenties. He's like, my friends were doing the same thing. They were going out to rock shows and they were having fun. And he was like, and I was living that, that, you know, I was on that path. And so I feel like I missed out. And I was like, well, you didn't necessarily miss out. It's just, you know, people make decisions and, and, you know, they, they take different paths. And so I, I kind of wanted to incorporate that into the site as well. And, you know, the site's young, it's less than a year old, so we still have time and we'll work on it. But, you know, being that we don't generate income off of it, getting people to write for you is not the easiest task. So, right. and I'm sure you're, you're well aware of how that works. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> 
So it's, you know, it's the music guys plugging away at it, you know, and we've found some people, some old friends have popped up and, you know, they're music nerds, you know, on a different level. We've got a guy who writes for the site who's really into metal, which is, you know, something I was into when I was younger, nothing that I, I stuck with, but, uh, and he, he's very smart about music and it's, it's interesting to hear his opinions and, and to see his view. So it's, I want it to be as inclusive as possible. I don't want it to be just a bunch of guys just, you know, banging around about music, which is nothing wrong with that. We'll, we'll continue to do that, but hopefully we'll grow and expand. We do talk about, we do talk about books and, and, uh, TV shows and stuff. I'm, I've found it pretty interesting that a lot of the series and a lot of movies and films that have been coming out over the past few years do focus on um, that part of our generation, you know, the 80s specifically. You know, you had the video game one. Um, oh, yeah. Um, Netflix. High score. Yeah. And, and High Stranger score. Things. Stranger Things was very 80s. Yeah. Wonder Woman. Um, there was, um, what was the one about the. Um, amusement park um, it was on Netflix as well um, it was some cra- some crazy amusement park from the 80s that a guy who had no business Ashbury created. Park? Was it about Ashbury Park? No um, it had come to me yeah it was somewhere in Jersey like insane when I said Ashbury instead of Asbury <laughs> <laughs> well listen uh, um, Michael um if you ever want anyone to contribute as a female, I do blog as well. And so um, I just don't do it a lot on my site, but um, I'd be happy to contribute anytime. But um, but at this point, um, we're going to jump into the rapid fire part of the podcast where I'm going to ask you some questions and you're going to answer them as fast as you can. Are you ready, Michael? I'll do my best. Okay. What's your favorite <laughs> What's your favorite memory from childhood? Oh, it has to be laying in the back of the car listening to music. Man, that sounded sweet. Um, what's your favorite 80s band or musician? If I had to pick one, I'd probably go with The Cure. Uh, okay, so then if you're a Cure fan like me, what's your favorite album from the 80s from them? Um it's this is supposed to be rapid fire, but it depends on. Well, you I'm have to go, see the cure. Uh, <laughs> You're my first cure Gen Xer, so I have to. I gotta go down uh, that. Road. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I was really into pornography in my darker years, but probably mm-hmm. disintegration would probably be, I, I think, the pinnacle for me. Nice. Well, staring at the sea is a nice uh, conglomeration of all of those. So, of course, I think oh, yeah. in the '90s. But um, so, why did you? Um, did you go to college? Uh, I went to college for a very short time. And and why did you go to college? Um, because it was expected. Right. Okay. And um, what's your favorite '80s movie? Um, and you know, my first job was a movie theater, and uh, I saw a lot of movies. But I would say probably I the some stuff that came out in the late '80s, maybe like Less Than Zero or maybe Miller's Crossing when the kind of darker independent films started to surface. Awesome. Okay, Michael. And if you could give advice to any of the generations, either to get through the bad times or just life advice in general, what would that be? 
Um, well, I have a tattoo that represents something um, that's um, very kind of uh, meaningful to me. It's uh, create your own reality and live a great story. Wow, that's fantastic. Create your own reality used to be my mantra in my 20s. Um, so that that is awesome. Well, Michael, thank you so much for being a guest on the show. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. And if you think this is worth listening to, please subscribe, share, and leave a review. Be kind to each other, listen to each other, and let's stop being separated by our differences. I don't want to be an army. Wanna...